But my clients came to this court and said, an order has been made that we behaved unconstitutionally in what we do. In terms of the relations between government and the courts, it's very important for us to clarify whether that is wrong. Because for the reasons I've indicated, this is clearly not some weird and wonderful chance situation of the arrest of somebody who happens to be passing through Cape Town from Singapore to uh, Rio de Janeiro with no possible uh, anticipation whatsoever. What is clear, he's a serving state in Africa. He's the serving head of state of another member of the African Union. South Africa is engaged in the African Union, and as the gathering in Johannesburg pointed out, would, uh, from time to time, it may be expected, be the host for those meetings. So for both those reasons, we would respectfully submit that the mootness uh, basis of the argument of the court below, or the finding of the court below, was unfortunate. Not quite as unfortunate as its finding on the merits, where it was indicated and it was accepted by counsel that we should not trouble ourselves in dealing with prospects of success. We should deal only with merits, and we are then faced with a judgment which goes against us on both. We also will look at what the ICC has to say about the ICC. And when you have a judge sitting in a pretrial chamber late on a Saturday night before the case is to be, our case is to be heard, and he opines on whether or not South Africa is bound, uh, is, 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 South Africa has no operative immunity, he can't do that. It can only be done by a South African court. What he can certainly opine on is the, uh, and, 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 and some authority, sitting as in that instance one judge uh, in what is a, a chamber court, but is the position of the ICC. But Justice Wallace's question goes to a heart of the difficulty in the matter, and that is that each domestic court would in instances have to pronounce on its understanding of what international law is. And I believe in the end it would be in the same way as each domestic court may in certain circumstances have to say what is current New York commercial law on a particular point. It would have to reach its conclusion and in doing so it would take into account hierarchy of pronouncements, etc. by the uh, 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 New York courts. There was a, a UN Security Council resolution to which my short answer is going to be that U UN Security Council resolution, we rather thought that this was accepted in this court, uh, itself created no obligation on South Africa. What it was is it created an obligation to the extent it could on participants in the Darfur struggle and then ended with a call, I think the word is, but to other states to assist. Except that that resolution, we know that the ICC normally would only have jurisdiction over cases where the crimes committed in a particular state or the person is a resident in that state. And the resolution creates jurisdiction for the ICC as an exception. And I mean that's important because we are dealing here with a request to arrest to stand trial before the ICC. Well, that is with respect correct. The United Nations Security Council, three members, three permanent members of which are fastidious non-signatories themselves uh, to the uh, Rome Statute, uh, adopted such a resolution creating 
jurisdiction for the ICC effectively then to bring what it could to bear in relation to President al-Bashir. As Justice Majid points out, there were two warrants which were issued. The interesting thing about this case, and I don't, we don't want to get involved in the intestinal uh, detail of 8, 9, or 10 particularly, but what happened in this case, as you know, there was an approach to Justice Fabricius sitting as a High Court judge saying, please use 41K of the Criminal Procedure Act. Arrest that man. So what happened was effectively an interesting bypass. It's a point we note in one of our grounds of appeal. But there was a bypass of the actual procedure under the Act. And what I'm tracking at the moment, and I must get back to the point, which is that where it culminates in, if you are so arrested, it culminates in proceedings before a South African court. And my argument, our argument is very simple, that when Section 4.1 of the Immunities Act creates in its terms, well, domesticates, recognizes, puts beyond debate the old, old rule of customary international law, which is absolute immunity for the duration of your office when you are a head of state, that what that immunity encompasses is that you don't lose your liberty. You don't get arrested. You do not get taken before a South African court. 